We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 201 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside uh, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Uh, argumentative, I think, is the way to describe my current status. How about you, mate? Um, I'm doing okay. There's a lot of snow outside, but uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Yesterday was a lot of ice, and today is a lot of snow. So it's just one of those days, right? Yeah, I, I did hear you and Bruce uh, talking about the, the black ice and the rain freezing on contact and... Uh, and it's pretty cold here too. I mean, as you can see, I'm I'm dressed for the cold. My main problems this morning have been out here in Man Cave. The ambient temperatures were so low that my laptop decided that uh, it was too cold and kept shutting down. So it it yeah, it's it's a bit chilly, but it's only to be expected. It's winter for goodness sake. So that's that's what you get. Well, it's the era of global boiling, if you recall. Oh, oh yes. Well, I'm waiting for some of that to to get this way because that will save me money on my energy bills. That is true. Are they telling you to uh, dial back on your energy consumption there in the UK? Yeah, yeah. Even Martin Lewis, the money expert, had a piece on his show just yesterday, I think, talking about smart meters and whether to do this or do that. And uh, it's all about not using the energy you need to use to keep yourself warm. And it does worry me that when people like him, who's normally a consumer champion, is advising, you know, this kind of cutback and that kind of cutback, it is concerning. And, and at the end of the day, the energy prices that we pay in this country are down to the government. The government not putting limitations on energy companies saying you will not charge um, an exorbitant price for what is now a basic human need. If we'd all not evolved into these soft technology using extraneous, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, resources reliant creatures, and we could actually still survive in cold and look after ourselves and uh, and and do those those all those good things that that keep you going. Then we wouldn't need these these energy bills to be paid and and uh, the providers 
to keep churning it out. You might have to cut some of that because I'm waffling a little bit. No, I, just, I don't think so. It, I, don't think it, so. It I just, thought you should it, take a look at this while while you're rambling on there. I was going to play this. These are uh, double-decker buses that you've got there in the UK. Um, yeah, and it, by British uh, TFI Transport for London. Yeah, yeah. They're in... British petroleum colors have they been part sponsored by BP? no these are electric no these are electric buses uh and yeah you can but, see here but BP have um tried to invest in EVs yes and um, I'm just wondering if that's why the livery the green and yellow livery well, is, could be. is this but what's that is that a these are is these that, are diesel uh, generators diesel generators yeah. running the charging points yeah just absolute hypocrisy isn't it Something came up on the radio today that quite uh, amused me as well. So our energy EDF, you know, the French company, uh, including our water, um, all sold out by government, allowing foreign nationals to um, basically buy our infrastructure. Um, the BBC, which is paid for by licensed payers' um, fees, have sold the, um, the, the set which is an actual street that, yeah, they've... I'm already on they've sold, I'm already on They've sold the set for Albert Square, for EastEnders. Uh, I think they, they sold it for 70 million, or was that 8.7 million? 87 million pounds. Right, okay. So, but they've only sold it for about 70 million, and now they have to lease it back from the company, which oh, is a did, foreign sorry, that company. that was the opening cost. That was the opening cost. Yeah. Yeah, and so now they've sold it for seventy million at a loss of seventeen million to a foreign company, which they now have to rent it back from. So that's more UK license payers' money just leaving the country, and it it irritates the hell out of me. Where did this conversation start? Energy prices. Yeah, we <laughs> we need to uh, have governments that will look after their people and not ultra-rich stakeholders in these big firms that are buying up our national infrastructure. Well, you say that you're argumentative today. So do you do you have a place you wanted to go with that? You, you got your notebook there, I see, that you're fiddling with. And you wanted me to send you a couple of reports uh, a couple of days ago, or yesterday, I think. Uh, yeah. I've, Is that what it was I've, about? I've been engaging with an ovine type on Fastbook. This is because I commented on a GB News post, which was about Sandy Togsvig. I don't know if anyone in America will even be aware of the woman. I'm not in America, uh, and I don't know who that is. No. Well, she's a she's a, a Dane, but she lives and works mostly in the UK. She's a very well-traveled lady. She's of the Sapphic variety, uh, and that's no, you know, no criticism, each to their own. She does have children. Um, so she wasn't always a lesbian or sorry, I should say she she at least experimented with heterosexuality for a while. And she's saying that there are not enough female presenters on TV. And if anyone looks at sport these days, which I don't that much apart from the rugby, but even in the rugby, there are female commentators and presenters in all major sports. There's people, uh, I, I can't remember her name, first name Victoria. She presents a, a show on, uh, I think it's BBC, called Only Connect or, or Just Connect or Only Connect. And she's had fantastic uh, success recently with being on just about every show that's going, all the panel shows. Sandy Togsvig herself is, is on the 
the flagship uh, entertainment panel show QI. And I said, to cut a long story short, I used the term in my reply to this post, Wokarati and ultimately super woke. And uh, this guy, and I'll mention him by name because um, I don't like him, Henry Mullins. I've told him today, actually, I've, I've, I've commented, so I'm going to talk about him today. He asked me, oh, what's your definition of super woke? And I'll, I'll just get it here for you. This, this is what I replied. I gave a definition, and I think it sums up what super woke actually is. And I said, it means an inability to express a critical opinion on anything, no matter how inane, subversive, harmful, contradictory, or just plain wrong the topic is. This comes from a de debilitating fear of offending any sector of society that might vote for you, watch your TV show, buy your book, or try to rabble-rouse and cancel you if you say something they don't like. Is that plain enough for you, Henry? And I think that describes what we mean by woke, doesn't it? It certainly does. Um, it's one of those where uh, it's that mindset where if you don't agree with something, then they believe that like the woke person believes that you should be completely turned off as in shut down, censored, banned, removed, whatever. You are no longer allowed to have an opinion because everything you say at that point, because it doesn't coincide with their worldview, everything you're saying is hate speech. That's right. Um, but I did go on to say the one and only sector of society that none of the wokerati which is where I use the word wokerati, give a toss about denigrating or offending our white heterosexual males. So we're the only part of society that no one cares about offending at the moment. A comedian can say anything he likes about a white heterosexual male, but if they tried the same thing with any other ethnic minority or sexual preference or gender, they would stir up that that hatred and cancel culture. Henry, on the other hand, he came back at me. He said, you've just made that up. And what you basically mean is someone who has decent values, who's well-informed and is critical of social injustice and equality, right? Question mark. A lot of buzzwords there. Well, Henry, um, I think we give a fair perspective uh, and and a, a good reflection on any social injustice. We haven't cried out for any kind of cancelling or things that annoy us. We might not be happy about them uh, and we might have things to say about them, but we are aware and not compliant exactly. What's the word I'm looking for? Well, we're concerned about these injustices. We we don't like injustice the same as the next person. Normally, you'd say the next man, but we're not allowed to say that now. We have to say the next person or toaster. Um, so I suppose in in those terms, I I, I may be being a little bit uh, facetious. So yeah, basically, Henry has kicked me off with my argumentative mood this week, and this definition of woke has changed. It changed when media, the mainstream media, and even government started to not play by the rules anymore, to, to fill our screens and our ears with propaganda, with a single narrative. I mean, way back, we showed that clip of successive 
news stations right the way across 50 states of America all saying exactly the same thing. Supposedly different franchises, different networks. I have that. If you'd like for me to to dig it up really quickly, well, I, I, I think it I think it would um, would emphasize the point. Before I play this, for the benefit of the listener, these are not national affiliates. These are local affiliates. So in in the U.S., each part of the country has their own local, like Fox News or ABC or CBS or NBC. There are local affiliates, but this shows that they're all conforming to the same myopic narrative. Listen. I am Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to serve, serve our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we, we are concerned, concerned about trouble and trying to get Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news, news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these stories without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 Marty, I think it's uh, extremely dangerous to our democracy. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize to our listeners for the cacophony and assault to the ears that that clip was, but it, it totally proves the point. You had von der Leyen, the clip with her, talking about misinformation from the latest Davos meeting, and that whole piece was a script given to mainstream media news outlets to read, and it came from the top. It came via their owners, whoever owns those um outlets those those stations they issued that statement which was why it was said verbatim identically across all those supposedly non-affiliated news stations and something else i've wrote i've written down on my little notepad and and again i don't make detailed notes i just put bullets the use of language by media is there to put a spin on thing or it's used to put spin on certain subjects. So a word that came up in yours and Bruce, or, or maybe you and you and uh, Melissa, you talked about population pressures. Yes. Um, yeah. So that could just be, you know, if you've got a city and it hasn't got enough houses, it's under pressure from a population. But when they're put into small sound bites like population pressures or 
The NHS is inundated. Winter pressures have caused this, so on and so forth. It it shapes the way people think about it. And my main problem with my antagonist on Fastbook, and I should correct myself, his name is Mullen, not Mullins, is that they don't question anything. They don't have that healthy level of scepticism that they should have. And this is because they buy into the spin that's put on these subjects on mainstream media news uh, and, and so on. The reason I asked you for those two documents, those two PDF files, one was the University of Texas Texas studies into ivermectin as a, a, a useful therapeutic for uh, COVID and SARS and other respiratory viral infections. And the other one, can't the other one was the, was. Um, the other one was the um, uh, the what was the well no it was the first the first one was a UT study of the um, the test subjects of the mRNA that's right yes that were developed in 2012 yes sorry yeah and the other one was about ivermectin so yeah that the first came out one later was in 2020 yeah yeah the first was how the test animals the test subjects all died on exposure to another virus due to cytokine storm because their their lung tissue was just ripped apart by this massive overproduction of the spike protein that was in the mRNA vaccine. That's my understanding of it anyway. So I wanted to present those to Mr. Mullen, my antagonist, but he's refused to send me uh, an email address so I could do that. And all I could do was put a couple of extracts into a, a fast book messenger. He asked me question after question throughout this thread, and I answered every question. The problem is if there is one report saying, for instance, ivermectin works, and another report saying ivermectin doesn't work, which there is one by the University of Oxford, then there is at least room for a, a healthy level of scepticism. When you add into the mix something that you told me, and I've since looked up, you are completely correct, that ivermectin is off patent. So anyone can produce it and produce it very, very cheaply. It would cost tens of thousands of pounds for countries to buy enough uh, ivermectin to treat such a virus uh, by giving it to everybody for free, whereas it cost 400 billion for the UK alone to buy the mRNA uh, vaccines from the various companies that, well, they also, that, that produce them. Yeah, to that point, they also needed to make sure that there were no alternatives because you cannot put a vaccine to market that quickly with emergency use authorization, either through the UK health authorities, the European Medical Association, the United States Federal Drug and um, Food and Drug Administration. You, you can't put a vaccine into the population that quickly unless... Uh, under emergency use, unless there are no other alternatives. So they had to pull everything else off and, and discredit everything else as a, a non-option so they could get the vaccine through. Yeah, that is probable cause. That's that's a motive. That's a motive uh, in terms of investigating a crime where you're looking for motive, means, and opportunity. Yeah. That's that's what that's what you're looking for when you when you start to investigate a crime. So if you look at how things went with a possible cheap and effective cure as opposed to a possibly harmful and next to useless vaccine. So 
this is where the the disinformation came in. This is what everyone was told in the media. It's what everyone was led to believe. And all those people, and I'm afraid to say it, the majority of human beings are just too willing to be led. They are too willing to follow like sheep. And the only use for a sheep is to make woolly clothing uh, to keep warm in winter and to roast with mint sauce. That's the only use for sheep. The rest of us don't have a use for you. All of us who are thinking and analysing and being sceptical about what we are being told do not have a use for you. And that's why I'm feeling argumentative. I can't wait for the next sheep I'm face to face with. Um, I may well wind up in jail. Um, it could happen, but that's how I feel at the moment. Um, we possible. can draw a line under that if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to that point, um, do you believe that there is um, an increasing detachment between the political class and the working class, in your humble opinion? There's a total detachment because they've all been mass produced. The, the ones that are standing as independents, um, there's a horrible one in the Conservative Party at the moment called Lee Anderson. He is a disgusting human being. He blows all the dog whistles about illegal immigration, about this, about that. But at the end of the day, he is only there just the same way as Diane Abbott was in or in the Labour Party as tokenism. She's a black woman, so she's a black woman, and therefore ticks at least two boxes in terms of uh, we want to appear to be the all-inclusive party for Labour. You've got the antithesis of that. You've got Lee Anderson in the Conservative Party, who is a working class, you can tell by his accent, but he's a bigot and he's the far right. I don't want to usually use that term, but he's the far right of modern conservatism. And uh, he's there to attract voters from that demographic within UK, you know, voting public. Same as Diane Abbott is there to make sure that Tower Hamlets, her constituency, uh, continues to vote either her or another ethnic and gender box-ticking type regardless of their ability. I mean, Diane Abbott is as thick as a whale omelette. She is an unintelligent racist. She really is totally anti-white, yet she's still in the Labour Party, still somehow continues to maintain her position as a member of parliament. Well, I thought I would play this clip here of uh, the CEO of Allianz Bank, who is at Davos right now at the meeting of the World Economic Forum. Have you been paying attention to any of the, well, apart from the clips that we played, you heard Klaus, of course, you know, the theme this year is restoring trust. Um, and we were talking about the um, the champagne, the cocaine, the caviar and the hookers that were being brought in because they're I mean, they're they're making those difficult decisions down there. So they need to unwind a little bit. Uh, and we, we talked about the uh, the cost to get in there. Uh, I remember last year you talked about an individual that you were arguing with on Facebook said that um, uh, was giving you a, a secondhand invite, if you will, to go down there. But the cost to get in there is, and I covered this, the cost to get in there is around 35000 US dollars. Oh, yeah. That's if you go while the meeting is being held to attend any of the presentations given by these sociopaths. It will cost you an arm and a leg. But I'm sure out of season, you could still visit for 
uh, a lot less than that. Uh, and that's that, I think that's what Barfield was his name. Yes, Mr. Barfield, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what he was suggesting. You know, you make me sound really petty with all these well, not at all. <laughs> with all these people I argue with, but I never back down from an argument. I I just never have, which is why I'm probably not as rich as I could have been. I don't back down. So when these people present things and start to counter comment, I will have to address them. But um, no, I've not paid that much attention to it because it's not being properly covered on UK news channels. No doubt if I if I look, I mean, what have you got there? CNBC. Is yes, that, yes, yes. This is the yeah. This network's bankrolled by the Chinese Communist Party. I want to get to this clip and this the CEO of Allianz here. What do you see as the actual risk? I think actually going back to this point about uh, in democracies, population stopping to trust our governments, which is the biggest problem we see, particularly in Europe at this moment. You've seen recent elections in the Netherlands. You've seen that in France. And societies are polarizing because our leaders are not addressing the needs of the people. We have an increasing detachment of the political elite from the world working class and the people that actually go to work every day. And that I see as the number one risk for our societies. And remember, this year, a lot of people are going to vote. So we need to make sure they, you know, vote for the right things and are not just venting anger. Well, there is so much change coming. And we've seen even in Europe that climate change is a source of anger as well. Yeah. The, the big theme here is rebuilding trust in Davos. Yeah. How do we tackle transformation without leaving parts of economies behind, population? that feel disenfranchised by the process? <clears throat> the first, uh, first thing what is driven by trust is you start with saying the truth. You know, when you say, I have to invest hundreds of billion in transforming our economy, it means you have to take the money from somewhere else because there's an unlimited amount of that capacity that you mentioned, and we're not telling the people the truth. It says, we can have this transformation for free and everybody keeps the subsidies, everybody, and it doesn't work. So the first thing is say the truth, what will be the economic cost, what will be the human cost, and then offer solutions. And this is also a problem here. We talk a lot about the problems. We talk too little about what are the practical solutions by which we will solve things. And one of the most important macro themes is we have to stop, really stop spending money on consumption. We need to really build, invest in infrastructure. And that's very hard to do for a politician, I know, because you get elected on, you know, promising money to people. But you have to say the truth and says we need to invest and therefore we cannot fund your hobby anymore. Something tells um, me that it, the board of directors is going to remove this man promptly for saying that you should tell the truth to people. Uh, he's full of shit, though. He is full oh, absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Governments don't promise people money because that money belongs to those people. Democratic governments, at least, are not promising something for nothing. Every single thing that governments in the West do is with their populace's taxes. And it's the misspending of those taxes. And, and again, oh, we must make sure that they don't vote out of spite or anger on something and vote for the right things. Well, he means the right things in his and the rest of Davos's opinion. And they are not the right things. They are the things that will further the wealth and, you know, general success and agendas of the global elite. They don't help people. So it sounds like he's he's saying, oh, we must tell the truth, we must do this. And now the sheep that I was talking about earlier will go, 
oh, well, if the government say that's true, it must be true because we're they've rebuilt trust. That's all that's important to them. They've rebuilt trust and, and that's true. So, yeah, oh, we'll continue to vote Tory. We'll continue to vote Labour. Rather than getting independent, non-subverted, non-corrupt politicians into those into those places. Now, here in the UK, and it was evident to me just the other day, I noticed that I'd been paid slightly more than I than I usually get. Why well, have I been not paid? Complain. You should not complain about that, other than the fact that you you'd have to like pay more taxes. Think, you'd like to think so that um that I shouldn't complain. I hadn't paid any more taxes. When I looked, in fact, I'd paid a penny less. It amounted to about eighty pounds per month. Yeah, on, on a month. And do you know what it was? They've reduced the amount of national insurance that I pay. Okay, now should national that, national insurance. <laughs> it should because it should be linked to what you earn, and indeed it is. But they've reduced the percentage that people are paying in national insurance. Do you know what it's for? You know what national insurance is for? It's to pay for the NHS. Yes. Okay. So I would quite happily get £80 a month less if the NHS was properly funded, properly managed, and not had all its resources wasted by mass illegal immigration wasting it on the ridiculous COVID measures, Nightingale hospitals, all of the um, social distancing stuff, the big uh, perspex screens put around reception desks, the amount of time given off to hospital staff because they've tested positive for what amounts to a asymptomatic cold because they were regularly to anyway basically all that all that money wasted i would rather pay more if it was funded uh and managed properly but when i looked over the last 4 years of my p60s which is what you we get every year to say how much tax you've paid how much national insurance you've paid and what you've earned the three previous years were all about the same amount in tax and the fourth year was nearly 40% more than, in fact, it was over 50% more. I'd paid 50% more in that one year than I had for the pre uh, three previous years. So they've given with one hand and gone, right, you're not paying so much national insurance now, and they've upped my tax. And, and so I'll continue to pay tax at that amount for years to come. Uh, and so the point here is, National insurance is ring-fenced for welfare and the National Health Service. Those taxes have no ring-fence on them. The government can spend them on what the hell they like. So this is the point that I'm trying to make. That man there talking about governments promising people money, governments promise you f*** all. They will say they will do one thing, they will do something completely different, and you'll still suck it up. We need a way in this country to withhold our taxes because we're most of us that are employed are taxed at source. We don't even get everything we earn before our corrupt, subversive, conspiratorial governments have snatched that money away. I do agree with the fact that you need the ability to withhold tax. I think uh, every country should have that built in as a fail safe because it would keep the people that are spending or excuse me, stealing and wasting your taxpayer money. Uh, it would keep them in check. 
Um, it would also put them out of a job if they no longer have any salaries. All right. So we're going to be uh, ending a few minutes early today because both of us are pressed for time this afternoon. Uh, but I wanted to spend the last few minutes here on the uh, events over in the Middle East. So let's get to what has transpired over the last 72 hours in the Red Sea. I just want to update you on that situation that's uh, developing there in the Red Sea. As you can see, the uh, UK Maritime Trade Organization put out this tweet saying that a vessel had been hit from above by a missile near Yemen. Now, Ambry, which is a British security firm, has uh, released some more detail about this incident. It says it's a Marshall Island flagged US-owned carrier that was reportedly hit by this missile. They also give a bit more detail about the incident. It says that it was hit and caused a fire in a hold. Uh, the uh, vessel remained seaworthy. No injuries have been reported. And also, Ambry says the vessel was assessed not to be Israeli affiliated. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, we're not sure at this stage exactly where this missile has been fired from, but of course the Houthis have been targeting shipping passing through the Red Sea, uh, past their territory in solidarity with the situation in Palestine uh, and saying that it's uh, an attempt to get the Israelis to change the way they are fighting that war and they're targeting Israeli shipping where Ambry say that this is a Marshall Island flagged US-owned carrier. Uh, of course, the Houthis also had said that UK and US targets were now legitimate following the action by the UK and US against Houthi targets at the end of last week. We'll get more detail on this situation in the Red Sea as it uh, develops throughout the afternoon. Right. We have talked about uh, last week when we had finished up, uh, we hit some targets in the middle of the night when everybody was asleep. And this is after you and I had already uh, wrapped up for the week. And they did it on a Friday night when everybody was in bed in the middle of the night. And when everybody woke up, then we were back in a, uh, a wider conflict in uh, in the Middle East, hitting targets uh, under the cover of night. Now, I had told you what should have been done, but none of that was done. Uh, I would be dragging everyone along with it that was involved in the first place that caused that. Instead, we get headlines throughout the week saying that, oh, this is the US and the UK stirring up another international conflict. Uh, so the blame is clearly being shifted. Yeah. And this was put out uh, this morning. Let, let, yeah, let me ahead. just come back on that for a second. My dear cousin uh, suggested talking about the fact that uh, the, the UK Navy, the Brit, the Royal Navy, hasn't got its own support ships. Uh, and that we're having, having, inverted commas, to use foreign ships to resupply, restock and support the ships that we have in the region. The funny old thing is that the UK and the US are prepared to um, make themselves a target for reprisal attacks. But those support ships are all part of NATO. They're the Dutch. There's um, well, quite a lot of the, the Dutch operate in that in that area. They're part of NATO. They're there actually to support our ships under the, the NATO agreement. So that's no surprise. We do have our own support ships. They just may be not in may not be in that particular area. So we're prepared. The US and the UK are prepared to make ourselves a target for terrorist. Uh, reprisal, whereas the Dutch, the Germans, the French aren't quite so keen. And this is probably due to the fact that those countries have also got their own illegal, mostly 
from Arabic uh, and Muslim country immigrant populations that contain absolutely no doubt a number of people who are there to be terrorists as and when their sheikh tells them to. So um, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah, I do. Now, in that picture as well, I know you've got this lady queued up, but in that picture you first showed of the Gulf of Aden, the Red Sea, uh, the Straits of Hormuz, that great big chunk in the uh, northeast of the map is Iran. And then you've got this tiny little channel through which a high proportion of the world's oil supply flows through. So it's no wonder Iran wants to flex its muscle every now and again, because it sees itself as being disadvantaged, stolen from, oh, these are our waters and so on. So if we don't maintain a a high naval presence in that area, Iran will not only saber rattle and flex its muscles, it will start attacks. At the moment, it's using the Houthi as a proxy to conduct those attacks. So, sorry, I just wanted to get that off my chest before. No, 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 you're fine. No, you're fine. This was the response that was put out this morning. Breaking news from the Mideast. Tonight, a U.S. official tells CBS News the military has launched another round of strikes targeting Houthi-controlled territory in Yemen, specifically targeting sites prepared to launch attacks. Now, this comes after a U.S. cargo ship was hit today by a suicide drone fired by the Houthis. There are no reports of injuries. Earlier today, the U.S. announced that it is putting the Houthis back on a list of global terrorists and is aiming to cut off the Iranian-backed group's funding with sanctions. The Houthis have been targeting commercial ships avenging Israel's crackdown on Hamas. Yeah, okay. First of all, the term suicide drone. It's a guided bomb. It's not a suicide drone. There's no one strapped to it. No one is going to to paradise when that thing goes bang. It's not a f***ing suicide drone. It's a drone with a twatting bomb on it, okay? That's the first thing. The next thing is, you said that they attacked on on Friday. It was a Friday night, yeah. Yes. Well, we we hit those yeah. targets on Friday. What well, we made. I'd just like to be clear. We sent text messages and phone calls ahead to tell the people to leave before we hit the targets. Yeah, that that was a dumb move. Um, yes, because you, you're not going to get as many of them in one place. Um, as as uh, what was his name? Kenny Everett used to say, "Round them up, put them in a field, and bomb the bastards." Mind you, he was dressed as an American general when he said that. It's done on a Friday night for a very good reason. Okay, what's the best time to to attack a fundamental Christian country? Um, right before Sunday, the holy right- day. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday is the best day. Friday's the holy day. Everyone's given a day off in in Arab countries. In some con- in some Muslim countries, Friday is the only day off they get at all. Um and they're back to work Saturday and Sunday. So the sites everyone would have gone home basically. Um and the idea was to remove the capability of land-based strikes and it was done with quite a degree of accuracy and probably a minimal loss of enemy life. So that's why it was done on a Friday. And you can bet that they'll do it again. And they'll probably do it again on a Friday. Do you have any final wanna... thoughts? Before... No, you're fine. I do you want... have any final thoughts before you get away for the week? No, I, I just want people to be sceptical. I want, because uh, by now, we are probably preaching to the choir. 
we we do get new listeners all the time, but they've found us because they've already got an inkling that something is wrong and they've started to to uh, question things. I would like our listenership to reach out and talk to your friends and your loved ones and get them to be a little bit sceptical. It's really difficult because you get labelled as a conspiratorial loon and a tinfoil hat wearer and they will try to defeat your arguments before you could even get them out of your mouth. But you have to persist and you have to remain sceptical. That's all. Thank you very much. Very good, my friend. We will see you next week. For those who would like to support us, the link is in the program description down below. If you just click that, it will take you over to our subscription page. Thank you all very much. That will do it for us for today and for this week. It's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great weekend.